this is Stephanie Krupsack with the Person and Planet podcast. With me today, I have Lee Krivat. Lee Krivat is the founder and CEO of Krivat Energy Innovations, a company dedicated to climate change mitigation by advising startups, utilities, regulators, legislators, and environmentally focused companies and communities. He keynoted his first conference in 2010 and has since spoken over 100 times, including live recordings of his podcast series, The Climate Champions. He is co-founder of four companies in the climate change mitigation space on the board and advisory board of 12 organizations, was twice recognized as a top 12 utility mover and shaker and utility champion by Intelligent Utility Magazine, and twice named one of the top 100 movers and shakers influencing the smart grid market by Green Tech Media. Lee has four decades of experience in the energy and technology industries and is a champion for sustainability on a national level. He served on the board of directors of the Gridwise Alliance, where he led the initial development of the Gridwise Alliance Grid Modernization Index, GMI, used since 2013 to evaluate the status of electric grid modernization in the United States. Lee has led large teams at Semper Energy in tandem computers and was a partner at Transpac Software, a startup in Silicon Valley. He received a bachelor's degree with university honors in applied mathematics and computer science from Carnegie Mellon University. Most weekends he performs in improv and musical improv comedy shows. So thanks so much for being here today. It is my pleasure. Looking forward to our discussion. Yeah. So let's get started with a little bit about your background in clean technology and renewable energy. Yeah. So I my history once I graduated college, kind of comes in three parts. Part one was when I was in Silicon Valley doing computer science, had a startup company, mostly as a software person. And then I had a career change where I moved to San Diego from Silicon Valley. I had an offer that I couldn't refuse for the energy industry. And I really started my second career, if you will, uh, in energy doing technology and eventually moved from just doing IT type of work, leading that organization uh, to moving to clean tech. So that's how I got into clean tech uh, originally. And the clean tech part of my life, I kind of did an in-between thing where I introduced technology to a utility and I realized that technology was the key to helping climate change. And that got me very excited. So I moved to uh, Sempra Energy's uh, clean tech organization, and I actually started the distributed energy part of that. And that was super exciting. I learned a lot more uh, about how the environment was being affected and how the climate was being affected. And I got even more passionate about it. So I left in order to pursue my own company where I help companies mitigate climate change. Very great. And I know one of the areas that you focus on is the electric grid modernization. I know that's a hot topic with a lot of people learning about all these EV charging systems taking place and about our grid systems. Maybe talk a little bit more about that for listeners. Yeah. So grid modernization has a lot of pieces. Uh, first, you have the grid itself, the transmission grid, which takes energy long distances. And there's a lot of technology being developed to make it so that we don't have to build as much new, that we can get a lot more out of what's already there, that we probably will need some new if we're really going to go completely clean energy, because some places have a lot they can produce 
and some places have a lot that they need and they don't always match and it's not always possible to build clean energy locally. So I do think we're going to need some investment in the transmission grid and then the distribution grid right now brings energy to places mostly from a one-way perspective, although that has changed a lot, but with all the renewable energy being built on rooftops and electric vehicle charging stations, there's a lot more energy that needs to go to different places than it used to. Uh, and now energy is flowing two ways. We have energy coming from people making their own energy. And one day I hope soon that electric vehicles will be contributing energy to the grid as well. And some companies are selling batteries. Some people have batteries in their home that can, in their homes that can produce energy. So the grid, the distribution grid is changing a lot and which way the energy is flowing. And then electric vehicles are just one example, but a huge example of a new user, if you will, a new load, something else that's now using electricity that never was before. Many years ago, when television started, uh, some people, I had a boss who did a study and he said, wow, this is going to double the amount of energy that a household uses. And people thought that was crazy. But of course, everybody got a television and suddenly there was a lot more energy necessary. A lot more energy had to be invested in the grid. Well, electric vehicles can use as much as the whole house uses right now. So if you think about that, that's a lot of investment that needs to be made both in the grid to figure that out, but also into technology. We certainly don't want people charging their vehicles at the exact same time as the grid is peaking, because then we'd have to build a whole bunch of new stuff to charge those vehicles. That would be very damaging to the environment. It would be fantastic if instead those vehicles were charging, let's say in the middle of the night while people are sleeping and not using other energy. And then we can leverage the energy system that we already have. And that takes smarts. Because right now people plug things in and they charge when they plug things in, but a lot can be done to go in sync with the grid. Most of the vehicles have timers right now in them. So you can set it for midnight, for example. So you're not coincident or charging at the same time as people are running all their ACs. But it turns out that sometimes the sun is shining and there's a lot more energy than people can use on the grid. And so we're having to not use that energy at all. And so that would be great if at those times people were charging, but to know when those times are, since it's subject to weather changes, you do need the grid to be smarter and modernized so that electric vehicles can work with the grid, work with the system instead of against it. And that will just save money and allow for cleaner energy charging those vehicles. Yeah, for the to make the grid more efficient. And I think maybe not everybody realizes the different peak times that you're paying more for your energy in the peak time versus in the solar time, that if you can schedule it, that's really great. And if by chance you have a battery pack attached to your solar panels, you could store energy and then use it when the grid is being overused or those expenses are higher, that you could use your stored energy too. Right. And right now... Most people don't use their storage for that way. They just use it for when the grid fails, for example. But it would be great if the systems were smarter and you could actually discharge that energy during times when the grid was having a hard time or was more expensive. A lot of utilities don't even have different rates for peak and not peak. In other words, for when it's used a lot and costs more and when it doesn't, some utilities do, but a lot of people aren't on those rates. 
So even though it does cost more to the system, since people don't see it, they don't always care. And again, a smarter system yeah. could, could help people manage that without having to learn all that complex stuff. I like to say, and I didn't invent this, keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss, the easier <laughs> it is to use for people, the more likely that they're going to use it. And I think really to help fight climate change, we're going to need it to be a lot easier on people because I think people have a hard time sacrificing. Look, people know that dieting would save their lives, right? And make them healthier, but still people overeat. It's just hard doing what's right, no matter what's at stake. So the easier we make it, the better it's going to be for the world. Definitely. And I know you mentioned too that there are timers you can set on these vehicles when they're charging up their batteries. Are there any apps or things available that you know of that help homeowners potentially with using their maybe energy from their solar panels or things like that that would help make it more efficient? There are a lot of apps being developed. I don't want to advertise for any of them specifically, uh, but like Ohm Connect is one. I'll just throw it in there. And yes, there's a lot of apps that help manage energy in your home. I'm actually working with a company right now, not officially, but I'm, you know, I'm just trying to help them um, called, oh, I forget their name now, look at that. <laughs> uh, but they have a very intelligent system that, man that can manage everything in your home. They even have a way uh, to make it, like let people know there's gonna be an outage so that they, through their Alexa, so it's kind of exciting the kind of things that are happening. If I think of the name of that company, or maybe I'll let you know, uh, maybe we can add it later. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, Universal Devices, that's the name of the company. They can do all kinds of complex things with their system. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know it is dependent on the energy company. I know some have text messaging or things set up that they could say, okay, there's going to be an outage for four hours or what have you. So people can plan for it and know that, okay, I've got this block of time that we should maybe go somewhere to eat or go somewhere that has electricity and then we can come back sure. home. So it is nice to see that starting to be more common. Yes. I'm with another company. I'll just throw in that I helped launch called Connect California and they have a product or we have a product that uh, sits between the meter and the meter socket. So if you pulled out your meter and put this in and then put your meter in, it would allow your vehicle to safely um, back you up. So instead of having a separate battery, you could use the battery in your electric vehicle to power your entire home for days. If you had a solar system, it would even keep the solar system on. So you could go months potentially with just your solar and your EV. If you have to drive somewhere, you can unplug it and drive, of course, then you're losing electricity if the grid is down. Mm -hmm. But it is a way for when the grid goes down to safely power your home with your vehicle. Well, you have the battery anyway. Most people that have electric vehicles hardly scratch the surface of, of how much battery power they have. This would be just another great use for an electric vehicle. That's great. Yeah, I'll definitely have those names in the podcast notes too. <laughs> so thank you for sharing those. Sure. Definitely. And I would also like to mention that you have your very own podcast too called The Climate Champions. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's called theclimatechampions.com. I've done about 140 episodes and I interview people that are trying to make a difference 
you know, to climate change, trying to mitigate climate change. And it's really all types of people, lots of CEOs of technology companies, but also scientists, just regular people. I interviewed somebody who wrote a game, the climate trail, you know, it's an exact takeoff on Oregon Trail. It's exactly how he put it together. It even has the same look and feel as Oregon Trail. And yeah, professors at universities, just different people with different takes on climate change and what they're doing to help. I had an expert at weather forecasting, a meteorologist, brilliant, brilliant guy, and just learned so much. Each, each conversation, I think I know a lot, but I learned so much every time I talk to somebody. I just interviewed an author who wrote a book that's incredible, very, very thorough book on different aspects of climate change, different perspectives, really focused on how to keep people from panicking and living their life in the face of climate change. So again, all different types of aspects of, of climate change. Perfect. I love that. I know I've listened to a few episodes and they were great. So I'd recommend everybody to have a listen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So one question I have for you. So with your background in green tech or clean tech, is there a specific experience you would say that led you in this route or was it a combination of events? I would say it's a combination of events. I can think of some key events, you know, like a lot of people, I think of my generation, uh, there was a lot of focus to my job and climbing the corporate ladder in my life for a long time. So uh, I really was focused on that and not on clean tech. No, I never worked for any companies that I would consider bad, that were doing bad things, but working for a company that was doing good things wasn't really on my radar. I just wanted to get a good job. But I really respect about the younger generation, my daughters included, they are focused on jobs that will help the world. That's a big part of who they are and how they want to proceed in their careers. But I had this moment when my children were very young, I think five and three, where we were on a top floor in this building over the weekend. I was working on the weekend and I had the kids and uh, my daughter, five or six years old at the time, took that opportunity to say, dad, what do you do for work? Because, you know, she was there with me and she just saw me on the computer. And usually I said, hey, you know, dad works in computers. And her knowledge of computers was playing games like Read a Rabbit. So I didn't want her to think that. And so the lights were just coming on in San Diego, where I lived at the time. And, you know, all around the city, and we could see the whole city from this office. It wasn't my office, uh, but it made me answer instead that dad's responsible for making sure that all the, all the lights come on and stay on in San Diego. It's just an easy answer for a five or six year old. But as I gave it, I realized, wow, I really am not just earning money here. What I do matters to this entire city of people. That was in 1998. So climate change was very real and very important, but I wasn't as aware that I was part of the problem or could be part of the solution. Five years later in 2003, there was a massive fire in Southern California, especially San Diego. And I was responsible for a lot of the computer systems that ran San Diego Gas and Electric. So while all my neighbors were being evacuated and fleeing San Diego, they were driving north. I was driving south and then I was driving east instead of west into the fire so I could get to our command center and make sure we were doing the right things to keep all our systems up. And that experience 
number taught me two big things. One is I didn't know it, but I am the type of person willing to sacrifice my own well-being because we were within a mile of the fire in order to do the right thing and help my neighbors and help my community. And I didn't know that about myself. Uh, and the second thing is that it keyed me into climate change because when we looked at why the fires started, they were 100 mile an hour winds attacking the community, attacking San Diego. And the utility system was only built as we were supposed to for 60 mile an hour winds. And so we had all these extra winds power that we didn't expect blowing sparks, you know, and, and once a fire was created, blowing that fire. And so suddenly I could see the effects of climate change right in front of my face, blowing fire at me and like white ash falling all, all over my car uh, yeah, and driving closer to it. And I said, well, what's responsible for this? And I realized the utility had a big part to play because if we could get to clean e cleaner energy, then we could actually make a difference. And that meant me. That means meant I could make a difference. And really from that moment on, I strove to figure out what I could do to help mitigate climate change. So first it was from an IT perspective, and then I got a job that I worked hard to get to work on bringing grid modernization into the grid in San Diego, which lets you integrate renewable energy and lets you integrate electric vehicles. And then I moved from the utility to the renewable part of the business so that I could start making deals happen and projects happen that would help from that perspective. And then I left completely so I could focus completely on helping. So the journey for me happened later in life, but I think I've, I've pushed the gas pedal or the, the battery uh, <laughs> inverter pedal really hard now and trying to do the right thing. Perfect. I love that. That's a great story. And you experienced a lot to get to where you are today. So. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And I like your um, imagery for not the gas pedal, but the, we might have to work on that one. <laughs> yeah. Pedal. Acceleration <laughs> pedal. On the gas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we'll come up with something. So what would you say is the main thing that you want individuals to take away from your efforts or learn from? Well, I, I don't think everybody can put the effort that I am into mitigating climate change. I'm very privileged. Uh, I earned a good amount of money as, you know, high up at a utility and high up at a computer company. And I've always been a saver. So I put myself in a position where I can afford to focus on this, focus on doing what's right and make the investments that are necessary and make sure my money is put to good use from that perspective. But not everybody can do that, but I think everybody can do something. First of all, in countries like the US that are democracies, we can vote and we can vote for candidates that understand the facts behind climate change and what's going on, how important it is, how we are truly running out of time and can make a difference legislatively. So that's, Everybody could do that as long as you're allowed to vote. Uh, in addition, there are smaller things you can do. You can buy a better car, a car that is less damaging to the environment. So you can buy a hybrid if you can't afford an EV, or you can buy an EV, an electric vehicle, uh, if you have the money to do that. And now the federal government has uh, tax credits for used EVs. So now it's possible, even with less money, to be able to buy an EV and EVs are coming down in price as well. So in the future, 
there's already been announcements for a number of vehicles under $25,000. So I think that'll also help. And of course, there are tax incentives for doing that. So people can think about how they travel, you know, less air, if they can do less air, some people for business, they have to take airplanes, but less if they can, less if they can. Uh, e-bikes are, are being found that when people buy them, they substitute a few drives with their e-bikes. So that's another thing that people can do. They can eat gentler on the planet. And I didn't invent that term. I interviewed a professor at <laughs> Carnegie Mellon, my alma mater, and he said that was his that he said, because <laughs> I asked the same question. And, you know, so I would just People can eat less red meat. Red meat especially uh, is damaging to the planet. My brother says Beyond Burgers aren't very good, but I like them. They satisfy the beef itch for me. And, you know, chicken, I do the, the chicken, you know, with no E, plant-based. But even chicken with an E, real chicken, isn't nearly as damaging to the planet as, as red meat is. And vegetables are awesome and they're good for you. So, so people can eat better. They can eat lighter on the planet. It doesn't mean 100% if they can't do 100% that every bit helps. It doesn't have to be something that you're perfect at in order to help the planet. Just do better. Mm -hmm. If everybody does better, we can make a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the low hanging fruit of where you're investing your 401k, you can invest sustainably. And studies have shown that returns are actually higher with sustainable investments because they are limiting all these risk factors because they are operating sustainably in their social, their governance and their environmental aspects. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And additionally, with the whole grid system and the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act coming out, there'll be way more credits coming to make your home more efficient is another huge thing you can do in addition to your electric vehicle or cars that you can insulate your basement, for example, insulate your attic to keep the heat in uh, and make it more airtight. So there's so many things that we can do. And it's nice that there's more tax credits coming to help us get there too. Yeah, and insulation, not only are you helping the planet, but you're saving money. It's a good thing to do. Instead of the furnace coming on, going off, coming on, going off, the house stays at a, just a better temperature for longer and just feels better as well. So, mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I recently recorded a podcast with a company here in Wisconsin called Green Homeowners United where they help homes do these energy efficiencies uh, audits and then they basically help them put the insulation in, things like that. And they were saying that if you insulate your basement, you can save energy costs 10 to 30%. That's huge. Yeah. You wouldn't think of the basement, usually like the, the roof, the attic. But it's really fascinating that it's good for everybody, win-win, I think. so. Yes, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so another fun question for you, um, very open-ended question. What does preserving the environment mean to you? Well, I talked a little bit about it, the things that we can do, at least. Mm -hmm. So I, when I think about it, which is too much, maybe, and that it is the environment and the planet and climate change. Uh, it makes me nervous because whatever we do at this point, there's going to be a lot of damage to our planet. There already is a lot of damage to our planet. It's happening. We see evidence of it with very odd weather everywhere, uh, setting records constantly. But even more than that, we are destroying things that cannot come back, or at least we don't know how they can come back. Maybe 
in thousands or hundreds of thousands of years they can, but species are disappearing. So much is going that can't be recovered that we depend on. And no matter what we do at this point, that's irreversible and getting worse. And even if we turned on a dime right now, things would still get worse for a while. Like we have defrost the permafrost, perma. It doesn't mean permanent, you know, but, and now we have methane escaping from that. We have new diseases yeah. escaping from, from that. So this is happening. Uh, we've damaged the water systems. What it means to me, I guess, is that we do whatever we can to slow this down and eventually stop it and then start bringing things back, maybe all together. So I don't want to make it seem like it's one piece after another. I think we can operate on all the pieces, but we have a lot of work to do. And the longer we delay and choose to take our time on this and make it a political battle, the more damage we're doing. And I mean, for me, I am not going to be affected nearly as much because I'm not going to be here that much longer. And I had the resources, again, I'm very privileged to be able to move if I have to and still buy food, even if it's higher in price. Uh, but there are so many people that don't have that option. We're already seeing climate refugees, and that's only going to continue. We're going to see it in this country soon, where people are displaced in large number based on changes to the climate. So... Mm -hmm. It's very important to me that we do something and I'm trying to be a part of that solution, but I'm also a realist, so I know how difficult it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, with the uh, more erratic weather patterns as we saw this week as well, it will just continue. Um, and it's interesting, the word sustainability, it's not enough anymore to, to sustain. We need to regenerate. <laughs> so it's nice that the terms like regenerate, regenerative farming and regeneration, and I hope that it changes that maybe sustainability is not that key term anymore, that key word. It's something a bit more extreme or more aggressive because it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So what is one eco or sustainable ritual that you personally do weekly, maybe daily that you'd encourage listeners to try? Well, I've mentioned it before eating lighter on the planet. I, eat way less red meat. Uh, thanks to my wife, she started that. And then I went a little bit further and became more of a vegan myself. And now what I do is just do the best I can. I don't make it 100%, but where I can, I try to eat vegetables, plants, plant-based diet, because it is better for the planet. So that's an, something that I've done that I think is relatively easy also uh, to do, to just do better. And of course, you know, I drive electric and that's something. So I do it every day, but I only had to make the decision once to buy a vehicle. And I try to charge the car when I know it's best for the environment. So I'm lucky here in the Pacific Northwest, most of our, most of our energy is hydro. So it doesn't create carbon as a side effect. So it's less important when I charge. Uh, but during peaks, that's when we're not renewable right? When, when we need peak energy. So I never charge the cars when it's a peak time uh, on the grid. That's great. Yeah, that's a great practice. And hopefully by sharing some of these apps or companies that help you do that, we can 
encourage listeners to give that give that a try too. Yeah. It's one step that they could do to be more sustainable or regenerative. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to that question, do you have a personal mantra or maybe a theme song that gets you into a good state of mind or redirects your mindset to a good place? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I do. <laughs> um, that's very funny. You know, I do improv comedy. Here, look at my shirt. <laughs> So I, I do oh, improv I comedy. Okay. <laughs> I do stand up. I do improv. And I do a lot of, on my podcast, I end each episode with an improvised rap where I just make up the rap on the spot based on the conversation that we had. And so I would say that I don't have a specific mantra or song. Um, I, I do two things. One is I really love music since you're bringing it up. And I do play... Uh, music. Uh, each morning I play the guitar and I sing a little bit just to get me in the right frame of mind. And I often change the words, uh, sometimes, you know, in different personal ways, sometimes about my family, sometimes about climate change, but it's always different because uh, I'm improvising it. And I do a lot of improvised musicals uh, as a hobby where we make it up as we, as we do. We get suggestions from the audience. So I'm always making up songs. So I don't have like a specific one that always pops in my head. Yeah, you write the song, so it's fun. So <laughs> definitely listen to the very end of his podcast episodes. They're quite hilarious. So it's a fun, very unique thing. I'm not sure. I don't know of any other podcast that does that. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm trying to combine that improv hobby I have with my climate change mm -hmm. passion. Yeah, Exactly. You have to combine the passions. For me, it's plant-based cooking and food and recipes. So the sustainability meets yes. wellness is kind of my niche. <laughs> yeah. I also, I don't do a lot of stand-up comedy. Most of it is improvised from suggestions as opposed to set, you know, where you memorize um, comedy that you're going to stand up and do in front of people. But I have done it a few times and I do it around climate change. So I make climate change humor. I don't want to call them jokes. Climate change is no joke, but I try to find the humor in climate change, you know, wherever I can. Mm -hmm. I think that's important because the whole doom and gloom of it, that's not going to help us progress in any way whatsoever. So I think it's best to just keep being more optimistic as much as we can. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So are there any books or podcasts that you recommend for listeners? Well, it's not going to be, well, I've got a podcast and you've yes, got a we'll podcast. A <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I just interviewed an author and I really did like his book very much. I, I won't sh is showing it too much. <laughs> no, go ahead. Show <laughs> it. Not, yeah, I mean, have a link. I want a better catastrophe. Okay. okay. By Andrew Boyd. And I just, I liked it. And I, I, I'm not a huge nonfiction reader, because life is very serious and everything I do is nonfiction. So I try to focus on fiction and, and escape a little bit when I read. But I really enjoy this because he doesn't say, here's the answer. He talks about different perspectives on the answer and different perspective of why people believe different things. I really enjoyed it. And so since I just uh, read it uh, to prepare for my interview with him, I thought I would talk about that book. But my favorite book that I've read that I got a lot from, it's not a climate book. It's called Zoom. It's called Zap, The Power of Empowerment. 
and I read it's a very it's an old management book and I read it when I became a manager somebody encouraged me to read it and it's just a very straightforward way of talking about how to lead where you are working with the people on your team as opposed to telling them what to do you're asking them what their ideas are and back then it was pretty novel now it's now people talk about it more often but I don't know that many leaders do it but for me, I think it made me the kind of leader I want to be. And I find that in climate change, in trying to move people forward, rather than having all the answers, and that's why I like to interview other people, I want to hear what other people have to say. Right now, you're asking me questions, so I'm answering. But usually, I want other people to figure out what the answers are for themselves. So even though that book was a management book, I find it really helps just working with people in general on very important things like climate change mitigation. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you for those recommendations. I'll have that in the list as well. And lastly, how can listeners reach you? Oh, I, you know, there's a number of ways. One is Lee at Crevat energy innovations.com. That's my company. Um, but easier is Lee dot at gmail.com. That's a really easy one. <laughs> or they could go to my podcast at theclimatechampions.com uh, and uh, get the information there as well. So I'm really easy to find. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, no, no mystery in how to get in touch with me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and some tips on clean energy. So I really appreciate your time today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Into your eyes, I feel sunshine.